Welcome to the Rocking Life podcast, Rocking Life After Divorce. And today we have Debbie and Randy Stroman. Welcome to the show. Thank you. This is so much fun to interview people. I'm kind of like a detective interviewing people and finding these gold nuggets in these relationships. And I started this podcast to bring hope to people that are navigating divorce because I know how extremely difficult it can be. I went through divorce five years ago. It can definitely be difficult to see the light in the end of the tunnel when you're in the middle of it. And uh, the Rockin' Life podcast and the community, I believe it will be a catalyst that can turn your struggles after divorce into a thriving life. It's been for me. I'm living the best part of my life right now. And I want to do this climb together to create the life you deserve, to inspire you, to unlock your inner greatness and live the best life. We share these stories and interviews with people that have already done the climb and is climbing towards the summit. I believe that life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. So this can actually be that catalyst to turn it around. And I truly think that having people around you that wants the best for you, to, it'll be friends, it can be a coach or a mentor, will be an amazing asset for you. I don't think you can do it by yourself. And Debbie is going to share a little story here with us. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And I just want to start off by saying that I never, ever, ever expected to be divorced. I always thought that was someone else's story. I thought it was something that you saw on the news. It was just never, I thought I was so intentional on how I picked out the first choice of who I was going to be married to forever. And when I found myself divorced, I had a three-year-old and I was a single mom who traveled a lot and it just wasn't the path that I had ever expected. And there was one Saturday that I remember clearly and a girlfriend of mine that lived in my neighborhood invited me to go to church. And I believed in God, but I surely was not a church goer. So she asked me to go to church and I was like, why do I really need to go there? Like I got better things to do. And then I thought, I really don't have any better things to do because I was lonely and I didn't have anything to do. And so I ended up going just really to kind of make her happy more than anything or to fill my schedule for that night. Something weird happened. It was just like all of my feelings just came out at that first service. And week after week after week, everyone started answering questions for me. I started making friends. There was a comfort level. I started making friends and I asked these girls, what does it take to make a good marriage work? Because I saw all of these marriages. And to be honest with you, I wanted what all those people had. And I just didn't know how to get it because I thought I had done it right the first time. And some of these friends I had grown up with. So I knew the path that they had taken. And they said, you're supposed to marry a godly man. And I'm like, what is that? I don't know what that, no one ever taught me what that was. So they described what that actually was. And then they said, and you're supposed to be a godly woman. And I'm like, no one ever taught me what that was. So as someone who likes to read, I just started reading and going to conferences. And I don't even know how I ended up finding who Jimmy Evans was, but I started going to Jimmy Evans conferences. If you don't know something, you don't know how to work out, you go to the gym. If you don't know how to fix your car, you go have someone else fix it. So I started going to these conferences and I went for about seven or eight years and just year after year. And I dated a lot, but 
there just wasn't anything perfect and nothing fulfilling and nothing. And they all looked like godly men. And I was really trying to become a godly woman, but it just wasn't the right one. And just like you said, pair that I just wanted to see the end of the tunnel. I just wanted to know the date that I would meet him. I wanted to, if I knew the date that I would meet him, then I would feel secure or at peace until that day. But I never knew what that date was. <laughs> so anyway. What's really interesting about that story is I was attending those same conferences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we figured out afterward that we had actually been at the same conferences at the same time because I was trying to pursue a healthy relationship. And Debbie referenced Jimmy Evans. Jimmy Evans is the founder of Marriage Today, which is a great resource for marriage and having a healthy, happy marriage. And so I would attend his conferences. And then I was going out and actually teaching many of those principles in other settings, seminars, workshops, and churches. When Debbie and I first met on our first date, we're about 45 minutes into it. And I turned to her and I said, do you know who Jimmy Evans is? And she started crying. Huh. And I'm a guy, so I know that this is either really good or really bad, <laughs> but I don't know which. And uh, so she starts to share with me that she'd been attending his conferences and had been learning so much about it. And she had made a statement to her mother, and I think I'll tee it back to Debbie in terms of what you had told your mother about that. I was hoping that you'd share that or that I would share. When I was shopping with my mom, I just said, Mom, please make sure that the man I marry knows who Jimmy Evans is. So to be on a first date, and I don't really know this man. I mean, I talked with him for like six weeks before we had met. And 45 minutes into the conversation, he goes, do you know who Jimmy Evans is? That's just like, people don't ask that question. And he did. And I, right then, I could have just married him right then because I just knew that he had the right foundation. And from that point, we had built a lot of weekends going to the Jimmy Evans conferences and studying. And still to this day, we do a lot of reading together. We do a lot of conferences. And that's the story of just really understanding who the godly woman was, who the godly man was. And I just try to become that more and more every single day, including today. Like we're in the middle of a move and I'm trying to be the best wife and try to be the patient wife, even though right now I just want to pull my hair out. But, you know, I'm just trying to be patient on a really stressful day. Yeah. Yeah. Moving can be very stressful. It's one actually one of the highest stressors uh, there is in life. You have divorce and a few other things, but right. then moving is actually very, very high up there. So it's good to take that in consideration. But this was a big change from your first marriage to your current mm -hmm. marriage now. Mm -hmm. And for example, when I started dating after the divorce, pretty much right after the divorce papers signed, I started dating because I was so lonely and depressed. And I started dating out of the wrong reason. I dated for about a year and then I just decided to take over two years break, no dating whatsoever, because I just needed to kind of like find myself and not feeling lonely, being okay to be by yourself. And then I actually started dating a girl now three months ago and we met organically on the tennis courts. <laughs> I wasn't even looking. So it's, I think you need, you need to take time and to heal. And also, like you said, to find a godly woman. If you're in this podcast is not for Christians, this is a, for anybody. But if you're a Christian or if you're a person of faith, I think it's very important to have the same 
faith. Mm -hmm. And it's very encouraging to hear that you have continuously taken steps to improve yourself. Because I think that's also one of the big ingredients in a successful relationship, any relationship, to be healthy yourself. And I, I think that's so important because when we do coaching with people and talk about relationships or marriage, or if we're dealing especially with someone who's going through divorce or has divorced, the number one piece of advice that we give them is to determine the kind of spouse you're looking for. If it's your intention to get married again someday, you may decide that you're done and you're, you need to be like Pear said, okay, being alone if that's what you choose. But if you want to be in a relationship, then you need to know the kind of spouse that you want. You need to have an idea of, I'm not saying that you've got to define the perfect person because we all know that doesn't exist, but you do know what you like and what you don't like. And for example, if a person is a smoker and you're not, that's probably not a good thing for you to pursue someone who's a smoker. Yeah. So you get you have a sense of what you're looking for but the number one thing is that you then need to become that person too. Because if you have a certain set of values that you want your spouse to demonstrate and live by, you have to hold yourself to that same standard and you have to work on you. You've got to become the best version of yourself so that you become the kind of person that kind of person would be attracted to. Because if you're carrying a lot of excess baggage from your previous relationships and you're carrying a lot of hurt and unforgiveness into a dating situation, that is a recipe for disaster. And if you are hurting and if you are dealing with a lot of unforgiveness from the past, you need to deal with that first. Because I'm going to tell you that there is no relationship on the face of the earth that's going to help that situation. It is only going to put pressure on you and them because every relationship has friction. You cannot take two people from different backgrounds and bring them together into a relationship and think that there won't be conflict. The problem in relationships is not conflict. Conflict is normal and actually healthy. It's the inability to resolve that conflict that gets relationships into trouble. You need to have an idea of the kind of spouse that you're looking for and then you need to work diligently to become the kind of person that person would be attracted to. And it is amazing how transformational that is. It's amazing what you learn about yourself. When I went through my divorce, I learned a lot about myself. And there's a lot of things that I learned I didn't like. For example, I had two habits. And one of the things that, that we don't do is we don't talk about our former spouses, at least not in a negative way. Because I made mistakes, they made mistakes, and together we had a disaster. So I guess if I look at some of the things that I did, I was probably, there were many times when I should have said no, and I said yes to make peace. I didn't agree with the decision. I didn't want to do it. But because I was trying to avoid conflict, then I, because again, that inability to resolve conflict being the issue, I was trying to avoid conflict thinking that was the answer. Yeah. And so I went along with a lot of decisions financially, family-wise, career-wise, that were not the right choice. And I don't put that on my former spouse. That was me. That I made yeah. those choices. That's one of the things I learned about myself that I had to change is that I had to be honest with my feelings. 
and I had to be transparent. And I think, especially for guys, transparency is one of the hardest things that they come to face-to-face with, especially in divorce. One of the things that you'll see in guys, if they don't want the divorce, and suddenly they realize that they're facing a potential divorce, it's amazing the lengths they'll go to to try to win back their spouse. And my question to you is why did it take the crisis for you to realize what you were willing to fight for? That's, you need to bring that level of commitment to the relationship every day. And so if you are a person who's gone through divorce, again, you need to settle that in yourself that this is who I am. This is the life I want to live. This is the kind of person that I think that would be good for me to have in my life but then learn some personality and uh, relationship techniques in terms of how to resolve conflict and how to be transparent, because that will totally change your next relationship. I definitely relate a lot to what you just said. It was also not having boundaries, codependency issues, and uh, not being able to express your feelings and uh, being transparent and being able to be vulnerable, being able to open up and being you. If I ask uh, Debbie, what have you learned from your first relationship and your relationship now? I wouldn't say it's the first thing after faith, but it is something that just triggered my mind. And it's something that everyone's thinking about, or it's a part of a relationship is intimacy. And I didn't know anything about intimacy. My family didn't share it with me. I went into my first marriage not knowing anything. And I walked into my marriage with Randy and was scared. Was So once again, that was something that I studied. But then that was something that I was really scared about. Yeah. And Randy's wanting to ask questions and talk about it. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah. So really, it was... And now that I'm coaching women a lot, that whole intimacy is still an issue, even in good marriages. So that's something that I do a lot of studying with still to this day for my own sake, but then also for sharing throughout my coaching sessions. So I think intimacy is a gift and it's a wonderful gift. And if you don't use it responsibly and you don't use it the way that it was meant in marriage, then you're not going to get the benefits of what it was meant to be. So I would say that one of the big things that I changed from my first marriage to being married to Randy now is just really being able to enjoy intimacy and intimacy from sex, but then also just sitting on the couch and holding hands and sitting on the couch and watching a show and really, really wanting to be next to him. Like we used to work 24 seven together up until just recently. And we miss when one of us goes to the grocery store. We miss when one of us goes to an outing with, I don't know, to an appointment or something. So we like spending 24-7 together, which is very unusual. But yeah, Sometimes that- it can become too much too. Right. I think uh, one of the big things that I learned from my first uh, marriage, it was we were married, married for 20 years. But I think it's very healthy to have relationships with other people outside of the marriage. For example, having buddies to be able to go and play golf. I know, Randy, you play golf. And to be able to have that and not feel that is encroaching on the relationship, on the marriage. And I think that's important because towards the end of my marriage, a lot of these friends, I decided to kind of like cut them out, not not in a bad way. It's like it just happened. Uh, I was so busy with work and the family was taking up so much time and I didn't have these relationships where I could share 
Right now, I have two amazing friends that came out of the divorce because I was roommating with them and I got to know them. And before that, I've never had friendships with other men that is so deep. I can share anything with these two people. And to have that is so upbuilding. It's so awesome. And uh, I think it's important to have that in a marriage. I've talked some about there definitely, I am for marriage, but there can also be negatives with the marriage. When you put the marriage ring on and it's kind of like, okay, I got it. Now I don't have to invest anything more into it. And having that thinking, which I feel I did in my marriage, I didn't kind of like fertilize the soil. And then it's going to start looking really bad in a marriage if you don't continuously. I love what you said, Debbie, about continuously learning about God, continuously learning about the marriage and connecting. So can I make a comment on that? Since I had such a great relationship with Randy, I didn't find the need to have relationships with anybody else because my entire life, I never really knew how to build good girlfriend relationships. Yeah. So all these women would talk about girls weekends out or girls dinners out. And I'm like, nah, I don't really need that. Because I never found what you just explained, the women that you could really tell anything to. Yeah. So there's a difference between your best friend as your husband, and there's a difference between your best friend as in like special, special girlfriends that you can just talk to, but not dog your husband, but just share to where they will encourage you to do good things. And yeah. so I just recently within this whole last year found a group of girls that I feel the need that they give me something that Randy can't give me. And it's the first time in 55 years that I've ever found the need. And I'm excited to go out to a girl's dinner and I'm excited to go out to events. I That's think one of the important point. things though about that is, is to realize that, well, it is absolutely vital that we have friends in our lives. And I, I guess we should take a moment to qualify this. If you're a man, <laughs> You need to have men friends, not women yeah. friends. And if you're a woman, women friends, not men friends. In fact, when I was going through the divorce, I surrounded myself with six men, but they weren't just any men. These were men who had marriages that I respected, had relationships that I could tell were healthy. And that's who I surrounded myself with. And they walked through that divorce with me all six of them, they probably knew more about what was going on than they cared to know. But they were there, they invested in me, they listened, they supported. And it really matters the type of people you surround yourself with. It's been said that you will be the equal of the five people that you spend the most time with. And if you look at their life and their lives are a mess, then you can love on them, you can be a friend to them, but they should not be your best friend. Yeah. Because you need to surround yourself with people that will bring you to a higher level and expect a higher standard from you because of that relationship. And I'm not trying to say one thing is good or bad, but I'm just saying that if you are hanging out with people that are going to the bars and that's the only type of recreation they have, Let's face it, we all know that not the best things happen in that kind of environment. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't go. I'm not taking sides on that issue. What I'm saying is that if that's your only recreation, you are not going to find people with the best relationships there. And so you need to find people that are going to be doing healthy activities and that should be where you spend a majority of your time. So it matters who you're in relationship with because they will rub on you and you will rub on them and you will find that in time you will be exactly the people that you spend the most time with. Yeah, because I was going through so much loneliness and depression. I just moved, having no friends, and then a divorce on top of that. And she just said, reach out to a few people that you trust. And that was crucial for me because I was going in a downward spiral. And the two people that really could connect where I could feel that they understood me was two people, two guys that had gone through divorce themselves recently. And uh, we were able to connect. We started roommating. We got to know each other. And we helped each other through this. This was definitely one of the most, it was very emotional for me. <laughs> but it was the most important thing going through the, the divorce and having a counselor. And then also miraculously getting invited to the John Maxwell team and signing up for that and getting a coach and a mentor. So that was my progress. But to have those close friends that you trust, that you can share with, you can share these hurts with, and being not spreading a bunch of garbage, but to having two people that you can talk to. And I think that's even more important for a guy. Maybe girls usually have easier to talk and share their emotions, but to have a guy friend that you can share the hurt with and to be open and real with. It, it's a lot of power in that. That was my experience. Randy, just a quick question for you. The same question I, I said to, to Debbie. Was it anything that from your first relationship for your marriage that you've done, you, you said that you didn't have boundaries or something like that, but things that you can share with somebody, not about the Christian faith, but something that, for example, Debbie shared about intimacy that it was a very big difference in your current relationship, in your marriage now. Is it something that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is not avoiding conflict. Uh, yeah. That was the biggest thing because I would try to avoid conflict at all costs. Now, the part of that is my personality type. If you are familiar at all with the DISC profile. My personality profile, that's one of the things that's kind of comes natural is I'm fairly easygoing and conflict kind of goes against the grain of that. And so people with my personality type have a natural tendency to avoid conflict almost at all cost, And that becomes the unhealthy part of it. So what I had to learn is understanding that that was a natural weakness but that I didn't have to accept it. And so I had to consciously choose to be different. And Debbie and I, from day one, when we started dating, in fact, is that we would never ignore conflict. If there was conflict, then we were going to explore it. We were going to discuss it. We were going to figure it out and we stayed on it until we did. We started with three things and that when conflict arose, the first thing we did was try to identify what, not who, caused the conflict. I love that. So so often what happens is we play the, the blame game. You did this. You said that. She said this. She said that. 
there is no value in that. And so we first tried to identify what, not who, caused the conflict. Then we tried to identify a principle that we could live by that would allow us to avoid that conflict again. And then we lived by those principles. Don't try to avoid conflict, but be courageous enough to explore it. And that's perhaps the biggest difference. What happens in a relationship is that challenging relationships are two people struggling for control of the relationship. And that is not ever going to work because in a relationship, in a marriage covenant, you are joint together. You're co-owners and co-managers of all the relationship resources. And so if one tries to exert dominance over the other, then that is going to lead to unmanageable conflict. When you have two humble people that are both trying to solve the problem together and not fighting for control of the relationship, that is a recipe for a great successful relationship. And so for me, that's really the big difference is just not avoiding that conflict, learning to embrace it, be courageous enough to explore it, identify it, and then find some ways to live differently going forward so that you don't repeat the same conflict over and over. That's one of the biggest challenges in troubled relationships is you, you get into what Gary Smalley called the fear dance. And you just keep repeating the same conflict over and over and over and over and over again. And then eventually that just wears you down and that's when relationships break down. And so don't avoid that conflict, but explore it, but be humble about it. Don't fight for control. Don't try to win the argument with your spouse. If you are trying to win the argument, you've already lost because you may win the argument, but you're going to lose your spouse's heart in the process. Yeah, and, I love that. So, so that's that for me was the biggest thing. I really like that. What? not who. Debbie, if you want to speak into the same thing, I think to be able to explore conflict about how to deal with conflict is definitely one of the most important things to learn how to do, if you want to speak into that as well. When Randy and I first met, we created a list of values that we wanted to live by. And it's never his issue or my issue. It's or his fault or my fault. What it is, is that one of us fell off the path according to those values. So it's not to identify one of us. All it is, is for us, one of us to jump back on the value that we both agreed to. So it's so much easier when we agree to a list of values, honesty, integrity, boundaries, solving conflict before the sun goes down. Like I, in my past relationships, dated people that would wait three days to handle conflict. And I said, mom, do not let me walk down the aisle with someone who doesn't want to solve conflict before the sun goes down. So that's a value. So if we get into a discussion, we know our value in marriage is to solve it. So it isn't, he's going to yell at me or I'm going to yell at him, or we're going to be upset because we have to solve it. This is something we agreed to. So we've agreed to all these things and it makes getting back on track easier because we're not angry with each other. We're just, and it's usually me who falls off the track and I'll just, (laughs) and I'll just get back on and, So anyway. Yeah. In fact, Debbie, what you just said is so good in that if you find yourself yelling at each other, that should set off an alarm in your head from this day forward that you've already missed a step and you need to slow it down. 
you need to back the truck up and you need to go back and start to explore what caused the conflict. If you're starting to yell at each other, you've already passed the point of no return in that argument. And I actually grew up with yelling. I thought that was normal because my family did that. And that's just the, how they solved conflict. So when I got into a relationship with Randy, well, a couple years before then, but when I started dating Randy, I was already over that, but it took a while to be able to learn how not to communicate through yelling. And I really learned it with my daughter. My daughter and I are the ones who kind of got me out of that. And yeah, so Randy and I have a great relationship where we don't yell. I'm kind of thinking if I've ever maybe, I don't know, once or twice in a 14-year marriage. So, Yeah, I don't think so. So. I I mean, most people, I, I do know we've all met people that are yellers at work. But let's face it, most people don't yell at work. It's not acceptable. It's frowned upon. That's not how they solve issues. And then for some reason, we go home and all those rules go out the door. That and now it's suddenly okay to yell. Yeah, that is very interesting. And I'm the opposite. I had parents that were just quiet. My dad would just go quiet whenever it's any conflict. And uh, I did the same thing in my marriage. Just ignore it or just uh, being quiet and not resolving conflict. So... I think that actually quiet is almost just the same. It's just the opposite because my mom always went quiet. Yeah. And then you never understood what the issue was. Exactly. So I think it's just the opposite. So really being able to solve it and communicate it calmly. And Randy and I, Randy had to teach me how to do that. So that wasn't something that I came into the marriage. That's something that we work at and we work at that every day. So the one statement I wanted to make about 20 minutes ago was people get married and pick out all the colors and the wedding and the honeymoon, and they think everything is going to be great, but it's kind of like your gas tank. Like how often do we fill up our gas tank? Probably we fill it up every single week. How often do we go to the dentist? We go probably twice a year. How often do we go for an annual exam? Once a year. So my question is, how often do we fill up our marriage? How often do we go to a conference? How often do we read a book together? How often do we take a day together to plan our goals for the year? How often do we pray for our husband? We don't do any of this stuff. So when I coach a woman and she's in a really terrible relationship, we talk about what someone is doing and what someone is not doing. We are where we are because of what we're doing and saying. So if you want to change it, you have to change what you're doing and saying. To add to that, Debbie, I I heard somebody say this one time and it made so much sense to me. As a rule, they would leave. Now, this was many years ago and people don't really dress up to go to work anymore. I mean, let's face it, most work environments are pretty casual. But this was back in the days where you had a tie and your tie was always tied to the top. And So the first thing that a lot of guys would do when they left the office is they'd loosen that tie up. And what this guy did is he would do that. He'd loosen that tie up. But then when he got home, before he went inside the house, he put that tie back up in place so that he looked his best when he walked in the door for his family, as he did for those that he was working with, because he wanted to demonstrate to them that they were important to him. Now, That's the attitude, have to have a tie on to make that happen. But the point I'm trying to make here is, do we give our best to our family 
or do we give our best to everyone else? And I think what happens in troubled relationships, because there's friction at home, we tend to give our very best to everyone else and our very worst to our spouse. And that is not going to work. You're going to have to turn that around. You spend your life with your family, your job, let's face it, is even these days, people don't stay with companies for decades like they used to. And so you're going to have a few years with those people, but you're going to have a lifetime with the people at home. And if you're not investing in those relationships, then you're going to have troubles at home. And guess what? If you have trouble at home, you cannot separate that from your work environment. It will impact. Anybody who's gone through a divorce that they didn't want can testify to the fact that your work suffered dramatically when you went through that divorce. I know for me, I couldn't go for three to five minutes and maintain focused thought for more than three to five minutes before I, I, I just had to get away from work. I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. I was so overwhelmed with everything that was going on in my life at the time. And it's like that old TV commercial says, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. You can invest in your family now, invest in your spouse now, or you're going to be forced to pay the price later. And so give your best to your family, give your best to your spouse and uh, watch and see how that doesn't have positive impact on every other area of your life. Yeah, it's been so awesome to hang out with you all. We're going to round off the podcast here and have a couple of final questions. The biggest learnings I had from my divorce was to become authentic, to become me, to be able to... It's taken me five years. And during the first couple of years, I usually take the analogy of a rowboat in the middle of the ocean. I didn't see myself moving I didn't feel like I was making progress in this kind of like rowing a boat in the middle of the ocean. You don't see the horizon and you don't feel like it's moving. Now, five years later, I can see all the progress I've made. But when you're in that rowboat trying to navigate this divorce, what would your best advice be for that person? To me, prior to getting married again, if that's the direction that somebody wants, or even in a new marriage, you can't be the best wife for somebody unless you're the best self for you. So everybody always says that they put their kids first or that they, they put their spouse first. And most women do not put their spouse first, but we're supposed to put our, we're supposed to put our faith first and our spouse second. So what I really say, what I really believe is I need to be able to take care of me and to be able to fill myself up and have my own quiet time and my own personal development time and my own exercise or whatever it is so that I have the energy and the attitude and the good attitude to be patient and to be able to make dinner and clean the house or sit on the couch or intimacy at nine o'clock at night, whatever it is, I have to be the best me to be the best for him. So I think it's huge for me to take a focus of me so that I can be everything that he's wanting me to be. That is so important. I, I definitely agree 100%. And I would actually say that most women put themselves last. They put their children, they put their jobs, they put their family, they put their everything. And then like they're like number 10. 
And I'm like, well, no wonder you have no energy by 10 o'clock at night. So anyway. Yeah, I had to start kind of like figuring out what do I like to do? Uh, And to, uh, for example, I started playing tennis a year and a half ago. I played tennis when I was a a teen a lot, but then I took 30 years off, picked up tennis and I love it. It's like one of my favorite things to do and to find, figure out what's your passions in life Mm -hmm. and doing a podcast. I love it. (laughs) How about you, Randy? Same question. So if I understand the question, you find yourself in the middle of the the ocean or whatever yeah. in, in, in a small boat and you're you're rowing to keep up. Is that is that correct? Yeah, and you don't see the the light in the end of the tunnel. How do you kind of like gain gain this traction where you kinda like what did you do? Or do you have any any thoughts? If you can't see any light anywhere then you're just going to have to trust your heart. You cannot stay out in the middle of the body of water and think that things are going to change. Yeah. You have to start rowing in a direction. You're going to have to trust your heart and, and go in a direction, but don't stay where you are. And that's really what it's like going through divorce. You literally are in that boat, as you say, and you are isolated. And I think that's the, the biggest danger in somebody who's going through something as traumatic as a divorce is the isolation. And so don't isolate yourself. You may feel like nobody loves you. You may feel like you're not very lovable, but I promise you that there are people who care about you. There are people that want to help you and you have to get to where you can be in contact with those people. A great thing that I heard John Maxwell say years ago, he was early in his career. He always tried to protect himself from being hurt. And so he kept people at a distance. And he realized that if they weren't close enough to hurt him, they weren't close enough to help him either. And so you have to be willing to expose yourself to hurt and risk that hurt in order to find those relationships that are going to bring that love and belonging and purpose into your life. One of the things that I was so respected about Debbie when I met her is she really wanted to be in a healthy relationship and she put herself out there and she dated a lot of guys before I came along. And she went through a lot of different relationships that didn't work. She didn't commit to those relationships because they weren't working, which is another thing we want to stay away from. But she kept putting herself out there because she knew what she wanted and she was going to keep looking for it until she found it. And I was glad that I was the one. But so that would be my biggest advice is even though you're not sure of the direction to go, go in a direction. It is years ago, vehicles didn't have power steering. And if you've ever driven a vehicle without power steering, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You literally have to crank that wheel with all your strength. But as soon as you get that vehicle moving, that wheel will just turn and you can steer that vehicle wherever you need it to go. So if you're sitting in a parked vehicle, I'll use a different analogy than a boat, just understand that it's always going to be tough. But if you get moving, and you get going in a direction that seems right to you, and you're open to change, if you realize you're going in the wrong direction, then you just adjust course and you get going in a direction, but you got to know what you want and you got to be willing to go after it. But the big thing in both of those analogies 
is avoid that tendency to isolate yourself because in isolation, that's where loneliness comes. That's where depression comes. You need to get around people that have the kind of life that you want to have and you need to hang out with them and let them rub off on you so that you become the kind of person that your future spouse is going to be attracted to. Get moving. Yeah, yeah. Motion is very important. Action. I usually uh, have a similar analogy with a sailboat. If you don't have a wind in a sail, the boat is just going to keep on turning and you can't use the rudder. But whenever you get a bit of wind in the sail and you get it moving, you can use the rudder and make course corrections throughout. This has been fabulous. I've been very emotional during this uh, podcast. This is uh, more emotional than normal. <laughs> it's just, uh, very nice to hang out with you all and learn both myself and all the listeners. I know the listeners are going to learn a lot from you all. And uh, you are relationship coaches. And where do they find information about you? I will put it down in the podcast description. But if, if you all want to share where do they find you best place to connect with us is either through email my email is randy at randystroman.com so that's r-e-n-d-y at r-e-n-d-y s-t-r-o-m-a-n.com or you can go to our website which is the stromans t-h-e stromans.com yeah and i will add that in the description so you all can contact randy and debbie if you want their help in your relationship or in anything about that and the podcast is really to help you move through this difficult period of time which divorce is and to inspire you to help you in any way we can and uh, i really love to hear your comments if you'd learned something from this podcast or if you want to have other questions answered please send an email to rockinlifepodcast at gmail.com or in the description below you can actually click on the link and leave an audio message as well i'm getting messages all the time and it's so encouraging to hear all the listeners positive comments how this made a difference i just had a guy comment a few days ago it was a pastor from uh, england and just went through divorce six months ago and he heard this podcast and it's made a huge difference in his life. So it's so cool to hear. So that's it for today. I send podcasts every Monday. And thank you so much, Debbie and Randy, for this uh, podcast. Thank you so much for having us.